Welcome to episode 6 of the 18th Shadow Radio. This is your author and narrator, John Lee Grafton. The 18th Shadow, Phase 1, Dawn of the Courtesan. Chapter 1.6, Flight Risk. January 2080, two years, nine months before event. Help! They're hurting me. I need you. The words pounded his mind over and over. The sex would be easy. Spencer Hotshine still liked to think of himself as a lantern-jawed high school soccer sex superstar, even if, truth be told, he was more of a lantern-jawed pot-bellied orderly with a bum-knee, questionable facial hair, and a year-old GED. I'm a union orderly, at least. I can support us when we get settled. This is real love. He had once been in love with a Betty named Melinda. Or Melanie? Whoever. The 29 minutes they had spent entwined in the dark corner of the zero-G tumblar at the Kansas State Fair in the summer of 78 had been so light. Regrettably, Spencer had never seen the girl again. Melissa? Memory had never been his A-game. Nonetheless, he had daydreamed of that Betty every single day since. Until the day he locked eyes with the patient from room 13C. She was prettier than a sky-blue sky. She was a toasted garden. That doesn't sound right. She was the place apples and cherries come from. She was the earth spinning the sun in its hands. <laughs> That's better, even if Virgil wrote it. The green whirlpool of her eyes constantly tugged. To summarize these complex feelings, Spencer had told his new buddy Virgil earlier that afternoon, she's like plasma gun hot bro, for reals. And her name was not Melinda, Melanie, nor Melissa. It was Tara. Spencer had met her 48 hours earlier when he was transferred by chance to a week of graveyard shifts on the slaughterhouse wing. The regular orderly took ill. Now he and Tara were like two starships rounding the moons of Saturn. What's the name of that moon? Rima? Why do I feel like I'm doing something wrong? Spencer's head wasn't used to so much activity. Help! You're hurting me! I need you! An orderly on B-Wing told Spencer that patient 373C was the only addict she could remember who had been kept in isolation for both L2 and L3. The level two month when isolation was her own choice. That was any citizen's right, and others had done it. Nurse Fossbender had also body-slammed the girl and cracked one of her ribs. Hell, they're hurting me. I need you. Oh, man. When they actually spoke, what would Spencer say? Gossip on floor was she had nearly caused a riot in Marlene Fossbender's group therapy. This Betty had a pair, especially to go up against the bookshelf. And anyone who'd hollowed the journal world knew why she was being kept on isolation for her L3 stint. Because she was considered a flight risk, Tara Dean was restrained in biobraces each night. During daylight hours, she was allowed freedom of movement within her locked hospital room. Given the extreme circumstances of her incarceration, the aging, withered psychiatrist Doc Stiles was the only person allowed to see her directly. Family members also, though there hadn't been so much as a holotext from the girl's mother. So it was that Tara Dean spent her thirty days leading up to Samsel's surgery like a Siamese fighting fish trapped in a bowl. 
The orderlies and nurses had been instructed not to peer, but they all did. Patient Dean did yoga for hours. She would stand on her head for forty minutes, rotating lithe, balanced legs through the air, smooth as an inverted column of smoke. The fact that she did so only in her underwear and bra was not lost on anyone, especially Spencer. Beads of sweat poured down the girl's olive skin as she transitioned from pose to pose. She was a cybernetic tiger in human form. Spencer Hotshine now reasoned why Nurse Fossbender took on a night shift. The nurse was outwardly sexless, though it was rumored she had the private desires of a wildebeest. Gross. Spencer could feel the nurse ignoring him. He hated her as much as he had lived in fear of her very shadow. He had seen the nurse doing awful things in Tara's room earlier. Help me escape. They're hurting me. I need you. I love you. But not now, you moron. Come back as soon as she leaves. Spencer's stomach was uneasy with confusion. He paced the halls. He watched. He waited. Life had never felt so lifelike before. How could someone as sweet and pretty as Tardine be a booze bum? Spencer loved him some ganja beer, as his potbelly attested. He'd been riding that Jane train since he turned 16, like all the guys from high school. Alcohol, other hard drugs, trouble. His best friend Virgil drank. Virgil was in college to be a poet, though, and said alcohol was required to graduate. Spencer had tried real beer twice himself. He vomited horribly twice, once on a double date. Drugs had never been his A-game, either. Oh, dog, what would Mama say? Spencer's mother didn't even like her boy drinking Jane Bev's, let alone booze. Mrs. Hotshine was a religious woman. She took the words of Jesus Christ from the 21st century Hollow Evangelist Testament to heart. For as a sun-born flowers the road of hope and new light, wine's dapper illusion shall but lead one down a path of broken virtue. That was Mrs. Hotshine's favorite holographic preacher quote. Having dutifully thought it over for near 47 hours and 58 minutes, the facts seemed clear. Tara Dean was a victim, and Spencer Hotshine felt hotly compelled to be her savior. He felt compelled to do a variety of things. As he waded down the hall with a merciless, aching boner pushing through his white scrubs while Nurse Fossbender raped Tara Dean, Spencer Hotshine found his own sort of vision. He was Tara's only hope. Spencer Hotshine walked in Salvation's shoes. Help! They're hurting me! I need you! He crouched in the shadows on the dark side of the floor until he was sure that Nurse Fossbender had returned to the nurse's station. When the volume on the elevator jazz began to increase, he knew it was time. Fossbender was back in her control nest, snacking and fidgeting. Spencer felt no allegiance to the cruel ox. He had only stinging remembrances of Nurse Fossbender admonishing him harshly for being sixty seconds late for a shift, or leaving a door open, or engaging in small talk with female staff members. It was this last offense that particularly seemed to irk the big woman. No fraternizing on duty, Mr. Hotshine. If you need something to do, there is always, and I mean always, a toilet that needs a sonic detail. The memory of the nurse's voice in his head made Spencer nauseous. This was a new sensation, another sign that Tardine was correct. He closed his eyes. His head hurt mightily from all this thinking and revelating and so forth. 
The robotic floor polisher made him jump. He had seen the clean droid a thousand times, but now he stared at it like it was an invading Martian colonist. The robot was just shy of a meter tall, a pallid silver dome illuminated by the blinking lights of its spatial laser array. It sat on a plastic cylindrical chassis and hovered quietly four centimeters off the floor. The rotating brushes at its base whirled in a blur. Spencer knelt before the robot. The silver bot stopped, waiting patiently for the human to give it space. Spencer desperately wanted someone to talk to. What he was planning was entirely insane. A few more seconds passed, and the robot's calm emitter said, Excuse me, orderly hotshine, in a chipper male voice. LEDs on the bot's display screen rearranged themselves into a smile. It then moved smoothly to one side, continuing to clean. Talking to robots never got you anywhere. Spencer steeled himself. He stopped outside Taradine's door and took a breath. From the time he used his access code to open the door, they would have exactly ten minutes until the hospital comm pinged a klaxon to Chief Gordon's security detail, as well as the nurse's station. At that point, the vid feed would be auto-streamed across the GovCloud to the Douglas County Sheriff's Department. By then, they would either be long gone or on their knees in magcuffs. His heart pounded furiously. The thought of running away to Sonora with patient 373C... It was as nice as any farmland in the Union. The voice she pushed between his ears said the hydroponic orange groves went on for kilometers in the hills overlooking the beaches of Tucson, too. They would rent a little cabin in the cheap part of town and find management jobs with the orange processors, she said. The pay was meager compared to his hospital salary, but Sonora was the least expensive coastal state in the NAUS. The Gulf of California. Spencer grinned stupidly. These fresh daydreams were top of the fond. Where I really want to go, that body. Fantasy had found him masturbating furiously in the bathroom three times that day already. The way her green eyes turned to black and she smiled. Oh, dog, she'd melt the moon right out of the night. Okay, that was a good line too, Virgil. Help, they're hurting me, I need you. Authorized at the beginning of his shift by another certified vision social worker, but never completed, Spencer now logged a ten-minute floor cleaning for room 13C. He scanned a thumbprint into his holotab. I'll simulquest a fifteen-minute break. Maybe that'll buy some extra time. The computer validated instantaneously and the door's lock slid silently open. Would she be asleep at this time of night, like hospital patients in a holovision story? Oh, yeah. Nurse Fossbender just raped her. As soon as he opened the door, her gaze crushed him. The girl was only now regaining the use of her voice from the vocal inhibitor. Hello, lover, she said weakly. He rushed to her side and kissed her clumsily while babbling, Miss Dean, I hated seeing her mouth on you. I hated it so much. He grabbed her hand and held it wrapped like a schoolboy. Tardine rolled her eyes, coughing. <coughs> Some days... You gotta take one for the team, right? Say, Spencer. It's Spencer, right? Yes. You're smashing my hand. Oh, would you mind releasing these straps? Sugar? Her voice was like warm honey. He knew it would be sweet. Of course. I'm sorry. It's fine. She raised her eyebrows. The biobraces? You're so gorgeous. He didn't know what else to say. Thanks.
Spencer Hotshine passed his holotab in front of the sensor on the hospital bed. Request 5. Authorization Hotshine. He spoke quick and quiet. The biobraces disengaged and retracted silently into the side of the bed like flat gray worms. Tardine sprang up and cracked the kinks from her neck. She stood on her tiptoes, stretching tall as if to touch the ceiling. She hugged him efficiently. Thank you, sweetie. She sounded like she might choke on the word. That's much better. Spencer swooned. Anything for you. She squinted, looking left and right, taking inventory. First things first. She went to the sink and rinsed the filth from her face and dried her skin with a towel. Put the nurse out of your head. Spencer stared, obsessed as he watched her pad back towards him. She let him fall into her dilated pupils, pulled the pretty boy's face to hers and kissed him softly, then said, I have something even sweeter waiting for you, just as soon as you get me out of here, big fella. She gave him a quick squeeze between the legs, winking like a pro. Now, let me rock some clothes. We got a float, and I mean yesterday. Tara hopped over the bed like a cat and slipped into the pair of blue jeans she had been eyeing all night. Long socks, her lace-up black army boots, plus a tee and the hooded pink sweatshirt. She tied her hair back with a scrunchie, pulled the backpack on, and tightened the straps. There was no telling where she'd land or what she'd need to carry with her. Next, she tested the hood of her sweatshirt to make sure it would cover her head when she needed it to. Done. Tara returned to Spencer's side and pecked him on the cheek. Okay, Romeo. Let's float. She squatted low and cracked the door, peering around the corner in the direction of the nurse's station. A broom was leaned against the door to the custodian's closet on the opposite side of the hall. Tara momentarily considered how wonderful it would feel to grab the broom, walk up to the nurse's station, and start beating Marlene Fossbender bloody. But it was not payback time, and she had no intention of reporting the rape to police. Like that will do anything. No justice the courts would administer would be sufficient. Tardine would hold her own court. The moment would be unexpected, perhaps years in the future, perhaps days. But when the moment was right, she would burn Marlene Fossbender's grotesque heart on a cross. At the moment, however, she had only seven minutes and thirty-one seconds to get as far away from the Greystone Medical Complex as possible. How exactly this was going to happen, she was not sure, but she'd had twenty-nine days to reason up a decent plan. The halls of the slaughterhouse wing were fortunately not silent. The dog-forsaken digital jazz oozed glossily from the calm. Patients moaned their suffering all around. The dim, steady glow of nightlights embedded in either side of the floor was punctuated by the blinking red sensor sweeps that recorded environmental data in four-second intervals. The hospital tracked everything and everyone with an IPv7 address. She stepped into the hall on tiger-quiet toes and paused to flip a middle finger at the nearest observation node. She blew the camera a kiss for good measure, wishing triple-six hills she could be a fly on the wall when security reviewed the footage with the duty staff. Tara grabbed the broom, just in case she needed to break it over a knee and shove the sharp end through a security guard's ear. Having it made her feel better, anyway. Spencer Hotshine followed behind with the same idiotic smile he'd worn for two days plastered across his face. His shoes squeaked rhythmically on the polished floor. Tara froze. She listened as the nearest observation node shifted in its base and focused on him. She frowned and gestured to be quiet. His forsaken puppy eyes stayed tied to her mind. No klaxons sounded. 
She grabbed his hand and led him down the remaining meters of hallway towards the flashing exit sign. They hugged the wall. If they could make it to the stairs, it was only one flight down, then right out the front door through the hospital lobby, smooth as a vapor hit. Exiting the actual hospital grounds would be more difficult. There would be drones. She would have to talk Spencer into handing over his holotab. They crept hand in hand. The red exit door approached. Fifteen meters. Ten. Five. She crouched lower, pulling him down with her beside the door to the stairs. The magnetic lock glowed a cozy yellow. Spencer Hotshine swayed as he knelt. He drunkenly reached out and squeezed her breast. <laughs> I love you. I love you too, Spencer, she said curtly and shoved his mitt off. Right now, we need to focus. Are we going to live on the beach in Tucson too? Tell me about the house again. How many palm trees are we going to have in the yard? She quietly put down the broom and rolled her eyes. She couldn't believe it was actually working. She'd never taken it this far with someone. Maintain the game. She leaned close and whispered in his ear, Seven, sugar. We're going to have seven palm trees and a blue convertible hove beetle and a French bulldog named Sam. Remember? I remember, he grinned. She put her hands on either side of his head and smashed her gaze deeper inside. You were cute once, weren't you? Huh? I mean, you are cute. Well, maybe in another life. Another life what? Nothing. Listen, sugar, I need you to scan this door open. He tilted his head, smiling continually. Are we going to have sex? Jesus, boy. Yes. Once we get free, you can bounce me like a beach ball in the noonday sun. But we can't ever have sex if you don't open this door. Okay. So open it. Okay. Spencer didn't know if his feet were even on the floor any longer. All he could think was, happy, happy, happy. This happy, amazing, sweetly hot as a toasted garden Betty he was going to run away to Sonora with. She was the one. What would his mother say at their wedding? He stood swaying like a plesium junkie and pulled his ten-centimeter holotab from his pocket. He placed his thumb in the center of the screen, then swiped the device in front of the door's infrared sensor. The LED illuminated immediately, and a 2.5-dimensional staff hollow of his face appeared. A cool, computerized female voice only he could hear said, Hotshine, Spencer, please remember to leave any access cards in your locker while outside the secure wing. We'll see you in 15 minutes. Have a great break. He turned to Tara like he'd just won the federal hollow lottery. Let's go! He started to push through, but she grabbed his wrist. Oh, wait, sugar, damn! I forgot something I need, she said in an innocent tone, biting her bottom lip. He frowned. What is it? A picture of my mom. Come on. Can't you just print another off the cloud? No, she, uh, wrote something personal on this one. I've taken it with me everywhere since I was a little kid. Spencer Hotshine swayed. He thought of his own mother. Her approving reflection stared back at him from the greenish-black well of Tardine's pupils. Somewhere in his mind, a rational voice screamed, What am I doing? He closed his eyes. The flashing headache returned. Ping Nurse Fossbender, Ping Security. It didn't make sense. But there she was before him, right there with her sweaty hand in his. I will always be yours. Help, they're hurting me. I need you. She was the prettiest flower. He felt dizzy but wonderful. His brain hurt. 
I thought you hated your mother. She put you in this place. She never pinged you. Precious seconds. I know what I said, but I need you to go back to my room and get the picture, she implored. And I need you to give me your holotab. Oh, and I need you to remove all biometric recognition protocols. Before he could reply, she leaned in and kissed him, deep and wet, her mouth opening like a morning glory at dawn. She felt him stiffen against her knee. Ew. No, no, maintain. She forced herself to pull away a little at a time, the way lovers leave a kiss. He swooned as she flicked her tongue over his neck. Okay. He smiled as might a drunk pissing relief in an alley. But why do you want my... here? She gently took the holotab from his hands and held it up in front of him, looking pouty. In case something happens, sugar... Just in case, please help me, please. I'm in so much danger, I need to get out of here so badly. You saw what she did. You know what will happen in the morning. They're going to drill me. If that happens, I won't even know who you are when I wake up. All our Tucson two dreams will die. Tara had long since learned the trick of not blinking to make her eyes wet. A tear rolled down her face. I mean, what about our lives together, Spencer? I can't even remember your name, then... That was all it took. Okay, I'll get the picture, he said. Spencer Hotshine felt stoic. He tapped through a couple of submenus and swiped his finger across the glass face of the holotab, releasing all biometric encryption. His combud replied instantly, Please confirm you wish to remove all security protocols at this time. Yes? Disable bio-recog, he said with a grin. Full access all systems. The voice in his combud asked, Do you wish to remove external comm tracking and hovcar access as well? Open security is not recommended. Spencer repeated dutifully, Yes, all access, all systems. The screen of his holotab blinked green and his combud said, Biodrive 402 vocal ID sync confirmed with your device. Full access granted all systems. Please remember to choose a biometric default as soon as intranet maintenance is complete. Thank you. He looked at Tara happily. There, it's done. I'll be right back, baby. I won't let anything happen to your mama's picture. I swear I'll be back in a zip. I'll be waiting, Angel, she whispered with a hint of sadness. He leaned in for a kiss, but she pushed him aside. There's no time. Please hurry back. I will. He squeezed her hand and sauntered happily back down the hall towards her room. The logic headache returned, but he ignored it. All Spencer Hotshine could think of was love and making more of it. They would probably just do it right there in his hovcar in the hospital docking lot. It's so hot. Help! They're hurting me! I need you! Tardine watched him amble back the way they had come. After he was a good ten meters down the hall, she said, Adios, Spencer Hotshine! It's been fly! He turned in time to see her backpack slip through the door. He frowned and found himself stuck, jerking like a bot caught on a bad subroutine. He went to follow. When he got to the locked door, he reached for his holotab. Where, where's my holotab? He shook his head, confused. Where did I leave my holotab? Seven palm trees and a French bulldog. Then he winced and collapsed against the wall, his temples pounding with a sudden, paralyzing ache that drowned out all sensation. Tardine took the long flight of stairs, three at a time. At the bottom, she paused, cracked the door, and looked across the hospital lobby. Boom! 
Boom, boom. Spencer Hotshine began banging on the door at the top of the stairs. Tara! Tara, what are you doing? His voice was tinted with panic. The tard. Tara could kick herself. She always had to have the last word. Greystone Behavioral Modification Hospital's shining lobby spread before her, contemporary and opulent, open and grand in comparison to the small beige rooms and sickeningly cheerful, polished blue cement floors that awaited patients in the hospital proper. Floor-to-ceiling windows, gleaming black-and-white tiles, a slick aluminum and mahogany reception desk, all punctuated by steadily glowing LEDs networked to the building's primary sensor array. Tardine thanked her lucky skies she had never been shipped. If she was forced to undergo the morning's scheduled slaughterhouse surgery, she would walk out the other side a piece of public property. A humdroid. No more secrets. No privacy except in daydreams. No daydreams. Combat installation was mandatory for the few Samsel patients who didn't already have one. Her soul would become a billboard advertising its newfound mediocrity across the North American satnet. Hire this humdroid to clean your loo. Hire this humdroid to suck your cock. Hire this humdroid and live forever in the shadow of benevolent vision. She would rather die a criminal than live in an imaginary utopia. Tardine took the deepest breath of her life. She wiped a stinging bead of sweat from the corner of her eye and stepped into the shining lobby, making straight for the main exit. The polyrub soles of her boots tamped quietly over the cold marble. Ahead, the towering three-meter-tall double doors to the outside world were mirrored panes of solid walnut. A plaque on the wall beside the doors stated how they were salvaged from a 20th-century barn in a nod to the agricultural history of the hospital's Kansas locale. Tara sniffed. She could hear the IR node lenses in the walls making micro-adjustments to follow her trajectory. Scans were confirming her identity and logging the time. So far, so good. With no combat to scan, the sensors read the IPv7 address from the holotab in her pocket instead. She was Spencer Hotshine. The hospital computer wouldn't process the location conflict errors until his break ended. A searchlight beyond the tall windows lit up the skeletons of the topiary bushes and leafless maple trees framing the front walkway. The winter grass was flat and yellow. The searchlight's random sweeps made it clear at least one of Greystone's private security drones was active and airborne. She waited in silence for the searchlight to move on. When darkness returned, she pulled Spencer's holotab from her jeans and passed it in front of the door's sensor. The ambient illumination around the door got slightly brighter. A pleasant female voice in the ceiling said, Greetings, Spencer Hotshine. You have 11 minutes, 12 seconds remaining in your break. Please reactivate your combuds biometric protocols before returning to work. Enjoy your time. The LED on the security panel shifted from red to green. A magnetic seal on the double doors released the door on the right. It pushed in slightly with a rush of fresh air, the first outside air she had breathed in 30 days. The crisp January wind smelled of dried pine and smoke. Some farmer nearby had been burning leaves. Tardine closed her eyes and drank it in. For a moment, thoughts drifted back to the Kansas of her childhood. She remembered giggling with her father as he ignited piles of winter leaves in their backyard using a camper's laser, the rush of skyward sparks at dusk. The wave of sadness that came with this thought caught her off guard. She opened her eyes. Reminisce later. Idiot. She stood and forcefully shoved the door open. Back. The walnut panel struck something metallic, leaving only a narrow opening. 
The door immediately began to push closed. Taradine flipped her body sideways and slipped through, at last standing beneath the free night sky. She was greeted by a computerized male voice emanating from a two-meter-tall robotic door droid. Greetings, Spencer Hotshine. You have a scheduling conflict. This egress cites a deviation from your normal break schedule. Please submit to a retinal scan cross-check before proceeding. Taradine had not factored a door droid. Fuck! The black and gray robot let the large wooden door swing shut and seal magnetically. Fuck! It's not a recognized response. It took a mechanical step closer to her. Your combud may be in need of service. Initial biometric scans indicate you have shrunk by 22.8 centimeters, Spencer Hotshine. Please step closer for retinal scan cross-check before proceeding. Fuck me. Fuck me is not a... Oh, fuck off. She yelled and kicked the door droid square in the waist, toppling it. Before the robot struck the cement, klaxons began to sound. Every light inside Greystone Behavioral Hospital burst to life. The door droid squirmed and rattled awkwardly on its back. A row of LEDs in the head designed to appear where the mouth would be blinked angrily. Security breach! Hotshine Spencer! Apprehend! Hotshine Spencer! Apprehend! Please remain still! You are in need of assistance! Piece of shit! Tar gave the door droid a final kick and bolted across the short winter lawn towards the staff docking lot. She was fleet of foot and had long since memorized a layout of the hospital grounds. As she sprinted towards the far end of the docking lot, leaping a short manicured hedge, a bright swath of light illuminated the ground three meters around her in every direction. Fast drone. Probably armed, too. These aren't cods. She leapt over another short hedgerow without breaking stride. She juked and flipped between the closely docked hovcars, trying to make erratic course changes. But the drones were too fast. Their computerized trajectory algorithms predicted her path even before she had decided on it herself. She was only able to escape the light for a few seconds at a time. She screamed in frustration. It was the middle of the night. There were too few hovcars to hide behind. She tore across the open asphalt. Taradine clutched Spencer's holotab in her hand, shouting at it breathlessly. Prep, hovcar, spool to fly. Full manual protocols off firewall external access. Float now, now. Across the docking lot, 50 meters away, a silver Ford Mustang spooled to life. From that distance, Tara could barely hear the stabilizing fans engage, lifting the Mustang off its rubberized docking mounts. She ran harder, faster. The lot was bigger than she had realized, and Spencer had docked his float at the far end, out in the open with several empty spaces on either side. Tara was pleased to see that it was last year's 2079 Mustang GT, with eight 600-kilogram geo-thrusters and a single massive 8,000-kilogram propulsion fan. It would be damn hard to fly her down in Spencer Hotshine's high school graduation present. I've got to make that hovcar or I'm going to be an unconscious turnip. Tara A. Dean, you are in violation of the terms of your incarceration. Arrest your movements or we will be forced to disable you. The computerized male voice was menacing, peeling in night-splitting stereo from the comport port on the nearest hospital security drone. The bright searchlight beams were now narrow, focused, and locked, no matter how fast she ran, juked, jumped, ducked, or hid. The last 20 meters of docking lot were wide-open asphalt. Nothing out here but me. She ran, like only a madwoman can. Arrest! We will fire in five seconds. Four. Three. Two. One. The pounding of breath. The muffled thud of each sprinting step. The shaking of her small body. 
The hovecar was less than five meters away. It was unlikely that a thudding pain struck her from behind, spinning her like a hammer punch. Out of the corner of one eye, she saw the glass housing of a tranquilizer dart fall and shatter on the asphalt. Botulinum darts! The projectile had glanced off her backpack. You have been neutralized, barked the drone. Arrest your movements at once to avoid bodily harm. Central nervous system failure is imminent. Tara jumped the final rubber docking divider and screamed at the idling Ford. Pilot door, open! The Mustang's silver door cracked with a pneumatic hiss. The hovecar was already engaged, floating 16 centimeters off the ground, ready to fly. The force from the levitation fans was so powerful that her clothes were blown flat against her body. Arrest! Arrest your movements or we will fire! called the nearest drone, though she could no longer hear clearly over the electric roar of the turbines. She flung her backpack into the passenger seat and for the first time turned to look at the security drone. She'd seen a thousand million drones in her life, but this time she really looked. Up close, they appeared like small, squashed black blimps. They were about a meter in length and were covered in a scaly black Kevlar housing. The drone sensor array formed a thin, illuminated belt around its midsection that oscillated rapidly through varying shades of red. The bright white searchlight shone fiercely into her eyes from the center of the drone's belly. Tara ducked behind the safety of the hovecar's door and extended the middle fingers on both hands. She was carefully mouthing the words, Go fuck yourself. When the hovecar shuddered violently, the roof caved in, causing the shotgun side window to crack. The Mustang rocked again as what appeared to be a gray fox jumped squarely onto the hovecar's hood. The creature stared at her with a single, radiating blue eye. Cyborg! She studied the animal in shock. There was nothing but an empty, metallic cavity where the other vidorb should be. There must be another on the roof! The fox's paws crumpled the Mustang's hood in four separate spots. If she had been able, over the din of the hovecar's turbines, she would have heard the security drone's computerized vocal subroutines tripping over command lines as data flooded its sensor array. Arrest! Unidentified biological org termination request possession of fusion-based arrest! Tardine also would have heard a low, rumbling growl vibrating from the cyberfox's throat. Her eyes inflated to saucers as the fox drew back its jowls and exposed a row of ragged synthetic teeth. But the teeth were not white. They were... Chrome? Silver? Tara felt herself chill with terror. Synthetic jaws? A fighting backborg? Before she could follow the thought further, three, four, five botulinum darts slammed into the fox's head. Each projectile glanced off the animal, clear liquid payloads splattering on the hovecar's windshield. That fox ought to be a pile of spaghetti. She was relieved to see the creature turn its attention, now focusing on the drone. The drone floated directly overhead, squawking like a raging parrot. Blinding light. The Mustang's screaming lev fans. The hovecar rocked and Tara cringed. The second fox leapt from the roof with so much force that the back window on the Mustang cracked down the center. The animal on the hood followed, claws ripping gouges into the light metal as it too went airborne. One directly after the other, the foxes collided with the security drone and brought it crashing down to the asphalt. Tara gasped, her lower lip shaking. The foxes savagely drove their teeth into the security drone's dorsal ridge, ripping through the unit's Kevlar chassis. Sparks erupted from the down drone and its sensor array flickered and went black. 
One fox pulled a small black box free with its teeth and spat it on the ground. Another private security drone, just arriving, immediately changed course and flew higher into the sky as it fired nine, ten more botulinum darts that harmlessly glanced off the fox's heads. Two of the darts penetrated each animal's ratty skin and the needles stuck, dangling from their necks. Taradine could not believe what she was seeing. The foxes raised their paws in unison and swiped the darts to the ground. Then they turned back to her. Two blue eyes glowed angrily on one animal. A single eye pulsed in the other's dark face. Tara didn't have time to know what was happening. As she yanked the Mustang's door closed, she noticed more eyes. Twenty to thirty additional blue lights hovering in the bushes at the edge of the docking lot. For a moment, she thought she heard a high-pitched howling. Fuck me. She dropped the hovcar's air brake and slammed her foot against the accelerator. Instead of dodging left or right like one would expect, the eerie metal mouth foxes leapt straight into the air as the hovcar rocketed forward. She had every intention of running the damn things down, but they were obviously smart. The Mustang lurched as it flew over the carcass of the trash security drone. Tara could see the gates on her left rolling shut as she took a wide swing towards the exit. Shit and balls! She screamed at the dashboard. The Mustang's steering wheel was heavy in manual mode. She hauled on it with both hands. Proximity klaxons blared through the cabin as she accidentally sideswiped a docked hub truck, ripping away both vehicles' side mirrors, shattering the pilot's side glass and one of her own headlights. A warning LED in the dashboard monitor began beeping, followed by an irritatingly calm female voice that said, Oh my! Port headlight malfunction! Safety at risk! The sun will rise in 5.6 hours! Travel is not recommended until that time! Reinitiating GovCloud auto control in 10 seconds, 9, 8, 7, 6. She pulled free of the hub truck and stomped on the juice, screeching, Negative comm, full manual pilot, safety regs off. The klaxon silenced. A robofox dropped out of the sky and landed on the back bumper, barely missing the center of its target. The cracked rear window of the hovcar shattered completely, littering the interior with shards of safety glass as the Mustang bucked violently from the heavy impact and the fox rolled into the docking lot. Time to get the hell out of Kansas, Dorothy. Fifty meters directly ahead, the security gates had already rolled shut. She engaged the Morpho adaptive seatbelt and retied the scrunchie around her ponytail with one hand. Here we go. She nailed it. The Mustang roared forward, punching headlong through the antique iron gates that adorned the hospital's entrance. Taradine glanced in the rearview HUD as she and the hovcar flew past the enormous brick-and-mortar pillars that had held the gates in place. She could see the gray, streaking bodies of the blue-eyed robofoxes tearing across the parking lot with impossible speed behind her. The animals stealthily dodged the collapsing gates, peeling through the clouds of cement dust and iron carnage in focused pursuit. The wind howled through the hovcar's shattered back window while a thousand glimmering chunks of shattered glass skittered across the floorboard beneath her boots. Trying to read the GPS data on the Mustang's hollow screen, she looked up, barely in time to glimpse a single-file scatter of more blue lights closing on her position from the left. The Mustang was traveling 105 kilometers an hour as it found the open road. The blue lights moved with an unpredictable, jolting motion. She watched them intently, captivated by an overwhelming sensation of deja vu. I know these things. But no light she had ever seen glowed like that, or moved like that. And then they were gone. Just as quickly as they had appeared, the string of lights simultaneously vanished. 
Tara was still holding her breath. She glanced at the rearview HUD. Ha! The robo-foxes were no longer chasing her either, gone as if they had never been. Thank you, Spencer. This pony floats. She grinned to herself, weirdly calm on the adrenaline high, despite the feeling that her heart was about to tear through a ribcage. For a fraction of a moment, things seemed almost peaceful, hushed. The pitch darkness of a crisp winter night roamed far and wide ahead as the Mustang flew down the hove road through the Kansas countryside like a ship disappearing into the belly of a midnight sea. Behind Taradine, too far dim and too far gone to see, eighteen pairs of cobalt vidorbs the size of acorns reilluminated in the blackness. They coherently aligned themselves into a single-file orientation, then flashed away in a bouncing tracer of light, moving due southwest over an adjacent soybean field. The non-emergency tower lights in the hospital's docking lot blinked on with a jolt. Three black, football-shaped security drones hovered back and forth, their searchlights scanning the grounds for unregistered motion. A fourth drone hovered one meter above the broken chassis of its colleague that had been shredded by the robo-foxes. Greystone Hospital security klaxons bleated senselessly over and over from every available calm. The faces of patients and evening staff members peered out of windows, stupefied at the smoldering carnage on the hospital's western grounds. One of those windows framed the sallow, ghost-pale face of orderly Spencer Hotshine. He rubbed his temple in dull-eyed pain. He could still hear the words repeating, repeating, repeating. Help! They're hurting me. I need you. Beside him, closer to the glass, fogging it with her breath, stood Nurse Marlene Fossbender. Her face was contorted and serpent-like, and the caterpillar flesh beneath her chin undulated in a sweat-glistened fury. Wikipedia.hollow excerpt. Last updated, April 13th, 2071. Regarding North American United States of road infrastructure. Completed in 2059, the NAUS Magnetic Hoveway Reapplication System was the largest federal infrastructure project in history. All antique federal, state, county, and city interstates and roads, both gravel and obsolete tar, asphalt, or concrete, were retrofitted with subterranean magnetic levitation conduits. Similar to antique maglev train technology, hovlev, as it is popularly known, assists all independent hovercraft with vertical lift and passive perimeter awareness systems. It is the foundation upon which all current autopilot technology functions. All NTSB-certified hovercraft manufacturers have been required by federal mandate to integrate hovlev rail technology into all vehicles following model year 2060. The self-regenerating, rubcrete asphalt hybrid road surface utilized today is based upon this now-standardized float automation system. This concludes Chapter 1.6 of The Eighteenth Shadow, Phase 1, Dawn of the Courtesan. Please visit johnleegraftonbooks.com to sign up for the 18th Shadow mailing list. On johnleegraftonbooks.com, you can also download the free digital box set, containing the first three books in the six-part series. The free box set is available in Kindle format, as well as Smashwords, Kobo, and Barnes & Noble Nook. Remember, citizens, 
Kindle isn't just a thing. It's a free app you can put on your phone to start reading the 18th Shadow box set today. Prefer paperback like it's 1981? Visit Prospero's Books at 1800 West 39th Street in Kansas City, Missouri, where every phase of the 18th Shadow is available built of glue, ink, and compressed dead trees, the way books were meant to be read by real North Americans. Until next time, this is your author and narrator, John Lee Grafton, reminding you to spay and neuter your pets. And remember, if it's not cannabis, kids, don't smoke it. This has been a public service announcement of the 18th Shadow Radio. For more information, please visit johnleegraftonbooks.com. <laughs>